Hello. Welcome to the Legends of King Arthur and his Knights. Chapter 37. The Perils of Sir Percival. Lancelot and Gawain had learned that the Grail quest was not something to be taken lightly. They had been so successful in their careers thus far that they had not been able to see how much they needed to behave differently now. Sir Percival, on the other hand, was younger and more open to new ideas. This was quite fortunate for the Knight of Wales as he retraced his steps back to the Hermitage to learn more about the knight who had defeated him. Percival, brave and honour-ridden as any, wanted to know how next time he could beat the knight in a joust. Sir Percival was deep in thought as he rode slowly back to the woman. When he got there, he was treated kindly and put up in a high room. Before he went to bed, he let everyone know he was Sir Percival of Wales, brother to the late, great Sir Lamorak. The woman had a reason for being so kind to him, as he was to find out the following morning. Percival slept surprisingly well. In the morning, he went to breakfast hoping he would find out what he wanted to know. His host entered the room and Percival asked who the knight was and how next time he, Percival, could beat him. The woman laughed. Do that and you'll die like your brother, she said. The knight in red is the one who has been chosen to achieve the grail. Only two others are also fated to succeed on this quest and one of them is you. So don't fight the chosen one, don't sin and most of all, no women. You must keep your heart pure and your mind on the quest. Percival frowned. He knew she was probably right, but he also realised this woman knew a lot more about him than she should. On inquiring further, he found out she was his aunt. He was delighted and asked her if she had any news of his mother. He was heartbroken to find that his mother had died of grief as soon as he left for Camelot. He shed a few tears and then swallowed his sadness and asked for more information about the knight in red. Percival's aunt explained the history of the Grail. She said the world had known three great fellowships. The first was that of Jesus and his disciples. The second had been the fellowship of Joseph of Arimathea after he brought the Grail to Britain. The third was the fellowship of the Round Table. Merlin had known when he created the fellowship that the Grail quest would one day be overtaken. He had forged the seed perilous for the one true knight who had achieved the Grail. But Merlin had known that two others would also succeed. Percival's aunt told him the knight in red was Sir Galahad, the one true knight. Percival bowed his head and promised not to take on the knight in red ever again. He would seek him out and follow him instead. His aunt, much comforted by these sensible words, told him he must go to the castle of Gort. This is where the knight had spent the previous evening. A cousin of Galahad would know where he had gone next. If the trail went cold, then Percival was to travel straight to the castle of Corbenic, where the maimed King Pelles lived. There he would learn what to do next. He might also encounter his cousin, her son, Diabiel. Percival nodded seriously and then agreed to stay the night at his aunt's place. In the morning he rode away, intent on finding Galahad. He rode all day, encountering two-thirds of nothing, until he heard the sound of bells. Curious, the young knight rose towards the sound and came to a large grey foreboding abbey. It was surrounded by a deep moat. Percival, deciding he might need a spiritual boost, shouted to be let in. He was given a warm welcome and his horse was stabled. He was led to a room where he went straight to bed and slept like a log. In the morning, he went to the abbey to join in the service. He went in and found in front of him an iron grill, 
behind which the service was going on. Unfortunately, there was no gate to enter, so he knelt down outside the grill, thinking he'd be able to worship just as well from there. As he peered through the opening, though, he saw something very odd. A monk was just preparing to give the Holy Communion. This was not especially odd, given it was an abbey. What was decidedly unusual was the presence in the church of a large bed. Under the bedclothes was a figure, but Percival couldn't see who it was or even whether it was a man or a woman. The service continued. When the monk gave out the communion bread, the figure on the bed stirred. Percival's heart skipped a beat and he wondered what he was about to see. What he saw was the oldest man he had ever laid eyes on. He guessed that this was what someone would look like if they were 300 years old. Not only that, the poor man's body was crossed with terrible wounds, especially on his face and arms. He was wearing a gold crown which looked completely out of place on his ancient scarred head. The old man took the bread and prayed. He took the crown from his head and laid it on the altar and then covered himself with the bedclothes and resumed lying on the bed. Percival went back to his room. Curiosity got the better of him and he asked one of the monks who was attending him what on earth the old man on the bed was all about. Well, began the monk, you know the story of Joseph of Arimathea and his arrival in Britain. His son, Josephus, was captured by the wicked King Crudel, a king from the east. King Mordrain, who had been helped by Josephus in the past, came to his rescue. King Mordrain was none other than Everlac, the previous owner of Galahad's enchanted spear. He had taken the name Mordrain when he was baptised. Anyway, he fought against the evil king and defeated him in battle. The king was killed. Josephus was freed, continued the monk, and it was noticed that King Mordrain had terrible face wounds, wounds that might have killed a lesser man. He claimed he felt nothing. Josephus took out the Holy Grail and showed the awed people. Mordrain, who had always wanted to see the Grail, went a little bit too close to it. As he did so, he was warned to go no closer by a voice coming from who knows where. It was too late, though. He had advanced too far. He was struck blind and his strength was taken from him. Mordrain prayed for forgiveness and asked that his wounds not heal and he not die until the chosen knight, the one who had achieved the grail, visited him. His wish was granted. It was over 400 years ago. It is he who lies on that bed, waiting, waiting, waiting. He will see again and regain his strength when the chosen one comes. Percival rode off thoughtfully. He hadn't gone far when he was set upon by twenty men. As good a fighter as he was, he couldn't take on twenty. His horse was killed under him and he fell to the ground. Just as he was thinking all was lost, the knight in red arrived. The awesome knight fought the attackers off and then, without saying anything, galloped away. Percival, knowing that it was Galahad, shouted for him to stop, but the knight rode off into the distance. Percival, minus horse, had no means of following. He beat the ground in frustration. A few moments later, a squire riding a powerful horse called a hackney arrived. He was leading a war horse. Percival jumped up. Look, I'm in a bit of a bind here. I need to catch up with a brave knight, but my horse is dead. He gestured towards the clearly dead mount and grimaced. Please could I have one of yours. I will do any deed you ask in return. I will be really, really unhappy if I don't find the knight very soon. The squire refused completely.
Percival knew he couldn't take the horse by force. This would have been sinful and he'd been told not to sin at all. He beat the ground even harder and cried with frustration. He collapsed under a tree in some despair. Then he took off his helmet and handed his sword to the squire. Just kill me. If I can't find the good knight then there is no point in me being here. The squire looked at him oddly and then shook his head. Then he went on his way. Percival wailed and chastised himself for a few minutes until a knight rode by on the war horse that the squire had been leading. Percival assumed the knight was the horse's owner and took very little notice, but almost immediately the squire came running by. He stopped by Percival and spoke urgently. Look, that knight's stolen my master's horse. Take my hackney and win it back for me. If you do, you can have the hackney. Percival needed no second bidding. Gladness in his heart, he galloped away and had caught up with the other knight within a few seconds. He shouted to the knight to give back the horse or else. The knight turned round, raised his lance and charged. Percival did the same. Unfortunately, the knight didn't play fair. Instead of aiming for Percival's body, he lowered the lance and skewered poor Percival's poor horse. For the second time that day, Percival fell to the ground on top of a dead horse. The knight galloped away and Percival sank into the deepest of deep despair. He kicked the ground, raged and swore, calling himself the stupidest and most wretchedly useless knight in the world. After an hour or two, he gave up wailing and fell asleep. In the middle of the night, Sir Percival woke up. Standing in front of him was a woman. The woman had a horse. She offered it to Percival on condition that he did anything she wanted for her after he had achieved his aim. The horse was the darkest of dark, dark black. Percival should probably have suspected there was something up here, but he was too focused on catching up with Galahad. He agreed and then jumped on the horse. He soon wondered what was going on when the horse travelled three days' journey in about half an hour. As it approached a wide river, Percival, by now pretty terrified, made the sign of the cross and prayed. The horse, clearly a disguised demon of some sort, threw Percival from its back and dived into the river and was gone. Flames leapt from the water. Percival shuddered and then gave thanks. And then he looked around. He was clearly a long way from the abbey where ancient Mordrain was in bed. He was on an island, all alone except for a wide variety of wild animals, lions, leopards, bears and many more. He looked around and saw a steep peak in the middle of the island. He decided he'd be safe from the animals if he climbed it. As he was waking his way towards the peak, he saw an enormous serpent carrying a lion cub by the scruff of its neck in its huge jagged teeth. A lion was roaring and rushing at the snake. The cub must have belonged to it. Percival, deciding that a lion was nobler than a snake, drew his sword and went to the aid of the lion cub. He struck the monster's head and it breathed fire at him. Percival jumped aside, only slightly singed, and then struck again. This time he cleaved the serpent's head and it dropped the cub. The lion sidled up to Percival. The knight thought it was going to attack him, but instead the lion let him pet it as if it was a house cat. Percival smiled. Then, as was his original plan, he climbed the steep mountainside and looked out over the sea for any approaching ships. He could see nothing. He returned to his new pet lion and settled down for a sleep, thinking quite rightly that the grateful lion would keep him safe. Percival slept deeply and dreamt a strange dream. Two ladies approached him, one riding a lion and the other a serpent. 
The lady riding the lion was young and beautiful, while the other one was as old as the hills. The younger one spoke. Percival, tomorrow you will meet your greatest challenge and have to fight your most deadly foe. Remember your lord and your quest. Then the old lady had her turn. Percival, today you have slain a beast of mine, a poor serpent who was just about to devour its prey. Why did you kill it? It hadn't done anything to you. Have I wronged you somehow to make you do this, or are you just a friend of the lion's? I just think a lion is nobler than a serpent, he replied weakly. The lady asked him to do homage to her as an apology, but Percival refused. The woman told him she'd have her revenge on him. Percival slept well for the rest of the night. In the morning he woke up and looked around. The lion was gone. Percival climbed the peak and looked out to sea once more. This time his heart jumped. On the horizon was a ship. Its sails were bright white. The ship sped quickly towards the island and Percival ran to meet it. He was convinced it would be full of men come to rescue him. He was sure he was about to get off the island. He was wrong. The only occupant of the ship was a man dressed as a priest. Percival asked to be taken off the island, but the priest told him he would leave in good time, and, unfortunately for Percival, good time was not now. First, his faith and commitment to the quest of the Grail were to be tested. It was time to find out if he was worthy of achieving the Grail. Percival was keen to get off the island, but he was sensible enough to know he couldn't avoid the test. He and the man spoke of many things, including the meaning of Percival's dream. The young lady on the lion, said the priest, signifies our new laws of our Lord. She represents faith, hope and belief. The woman on the serpent represents the old laws. The serpent is heresy, hypocrisy and sin. It's the serpent which tempted Adam to eat the forbidden fruit. She told you that you had killed her beast. Well, she wasn't really referring to the snake you killed. She was referring to the demon you destroyed earlier in the day, the one which brought you to this rock. She is the agent of the devil, and she will test you once more today, just as the younger lady warned. Percival begged the man to stay longer. Even for a brave and holy knight, it was a bit lonely on an island in the middle of nowhere. The priest refused and sailed away. Percival wondered what form his next test would take. More snakes? Dragons? Very big spiders? He shuddered at the thought and sat down to see what would happen next. The ship disappeared over the horizon as Percival watched. The friendly lion rejoined him and together they gazed out over the water until another ship came into view. This one had black sails and was dressed in the blackest of black silk. Now, Percival had ridden the blackest of black horses and it had done him no good. One wonders at the intelligence of the young man as he didn't seem to realise that the blackest of black ships was probably not going to bring anything good either. Percival didn't seem to clock this and he walked down to the shore to find out who was on board. He soon found out. The black silk formed a kind of tent over the deck of the ship. Sitting by the tented entrance was the most fantastically beautiful woman dressed in the finest clothing. She looked over at Percival and spoke to him. She seemed to know who he was, although he was convinced he had never seen her before. Anyone would think alarm bells would ring in the head of someone addressed by his name by somebody he had never met. Maybe some form of magic was in the air. Percival, though, failed to spot another obvious clue. Percival, she said, what are you doing here on this lonely island? Surely you will die of hunger here. What have you eaten since you arrived? 
Percival realised he hadn't actually eaten anything. He told her that God was providing all he needed and that a holy man had visited him that day. He had got all he wanted to sustain him that day in the form of spirituality. He then asked how she knew his name. I know more about you than you think. I know you are looking for the good knight and I know what has become of him. I will tell you if you do my bidding. Another clue missed. This was exactly what the woman with the blackest of black horses had said. Percival, of course, missed it completely. He agreed. The woman told him that she'd seen Galahad pursuing two other knights. He'd driven into a river while chasing them, but his horse had drowned. Galahad had managed to pull himself from the water. Now, Percival, do you want to leave this island? Yes, my lady, of course I do. But you haven't eaten today. The man who visited you was a false priest. He gave you nothing to eat and then left you all alone here in this place. He will never come to your aid and it would be a great shame for you to die here. You can do a great service to me and others. I will take you off this island. But first, let's feast. The lady told Percival some dodgy story about how she needed him to serve her and he'd sworn an oath as a knight of the round table to serve all ladies. Percival admitted that this was true. The silk tent from the ship was brought ashore by some servants and set up on the island. Percival was invited inside and his sword and armour were taken. Percival completely failed to spot another pointer that he might be in a spot of trouble. He was led to a comfy bed and had a really lovely sleep. When he woke up there was a magnificent feast for him to tuck into. The food was wonderful. Percival asked for a drink and was brought the finest wine. He was not used to drinking wine and certainly wasn't used to the stuff that was put in front of him in the black silk tent. The wine was incredibly strong. I mean, quite outrageously strong. The more and more Percival drank, the less in control of his senses he became. He looked over at the lady and she started to appear to him the most beautiful thing he had ever seen. He began to think how nice it would be if this lovely looking young woman could be his. The lady realised what Percival was thinking. She leant over to him. She got very close. He could feel her breath on his neck. I will be yours if you do everything I command. Percival, very drunk and understandably keen, agreed eagerly. The most luxurious bed imaginable was brought in. As Percival strode towards it, he caught sight of his sword lying on the ground. Something about it brought him to his senses. He made the sign of the cross and prayed. Instantly the tent collapsed and smoke billowed from the ground where it fell. The most awful stench accompanied the smoke. Percival looked up and saw the ship. The lady was on deck and shouted out to him. Percival, you have betrayed me. The ship sailed away. As it did so, the sea burst into flames. Percival beat himself up yet again for being so stupid and prayed for forgiveness. After some time, he got up and looked out to sea. All was calm and there were no flames. Even better than this, the white-sailed ship was approaching the island once more. The aged priest stepped off the ship and spoke. So, how did you do then? Pretty badly, admitted a very chastened Percival and told the old man what had happened. That was your test. The devil dressed up to tempt you. You barely survived the test, Percival. You will not survive another close shave. You need to be on your guard. And with that, the man disappeared. A voice came out of nowhere and told Percival to board the ship. It would take him, said the voice, to where he was meant to go. And one day he would meet with the other two knights who were destined to achieve the grail. 
Percival stepped aboard, full of joy and relief. The ship sailed away, off to who knew where. Next time, we'll return to the adventures of some of those not worthy of achieving the Grail. So, have a great week and I'll speak to you next time. But before I go, a quick reminder of a really great audio drama series about King Arthur. Audio drama in the age of Arthur. Behold, the sword Excalibur. The king's sword, since before Atlantis was destroyed. Foes we feel no, nor the fell shadows of demon-haunted mountains. I have pledged my honour to you, sir, and man's word is God in man. I often find that while the men are busy bashing each other with swords, it's a good idea for a woman to try and communicate in a more civilised manner. Victory! Victory, Victory for King, King Arthur! Arthur. TheTableRound.com